Today's text comes from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fears of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's great to be with um, you again. Cindy and I always love coming over. Um, it's just a quick drive over the hill. And uh, we're so grateful for your uh, prayers for us. Your partnership with us in welcoming the nations that uh, God is bringing from around the world uh, <clears throat> to our area, and, and we're at Cal Berkeley doing that. Um, we want to look at this passage from John 20 today. Today is actually Pentecost Sunday, so it's in the church calendar. It's the Sunday where. Um, we think about the coming of the Holy Spirit and God gathering the nations through the Holy Spirit. Um, but we want to look at this passage. It has the breathing uh, on the disciples. And, um, so I think about, this is a great, great passage. I love it. Um, so let's start out just thinking about some days um, in your life. Some days are much more important than other days. So, for instance, the day that you were born, uh, it was a big deal. You were in the womb world, and all of a sudden you came out, and it's like, where am I? And the whole world, you changed worlds on that day, basically. Or if you were married, um, the wedding day, you know, you were, you were single, you were doing your single thing, and then... You went to this ceremony, and the pastor said some things, and you said some things, and then you came out and you said, you know, where am I? And you changed worlds, and on, on certain days, the world gets changed, and actually, it shapes the rest of your days. So your birth, day of birth, shaped the rest. Nothing was the same. The day of your wedding, shaped every day after that. Um, by far the most important day ever for everyone here, for the whole world, actually for the whole cosmos, is the day that is being talked about in this passage. Um, shaped all the days after it. We might call it Easter. The Apostle John doesn't call it Easter. We might call it Resurrection Day. He doesn't call it Resurrection Day. He calls it the first day. The first day of the week. He calls it day one. 
several times. And on day one, Jesus comes out of the old creation and he steps into, he enters new creation. And he doesn't say, you know, where am I? He says, here I am. And he invites all of us to enter that new creation with him. He says, come on in. Come out of old creation and come into new creation. And this evening, it's like an evening service that Jesus is having. It's the first time in John where Jesus is gathered with his disciples after his resurrection. And it takes place in kind of a strange environment. It takes place in a dark room with locked doors. It's full of fear. Um, and this is kind of like the first day in the old creation. You know, the first day of the week is darkness. is over the face. You know, and then God says, let there be light. One way to look at this is, is kind of through the lens of a worship service. This is the first new creation worship service. Jesus meeting with his disciples. Um, and here's what's beautiful and I want us to just think about today. This pattern here, this day, this way of Jesus meeting with us is a template. What he does on the first day, he continues to do. And he continues to do over and over and over again around the world and here. Uh, every time we gather, these are the dynamics that shape the gathered ones who we know all over the world. And we gather in fear, all kinds of fear. We gather locked up, all kinds of locks. We gather locked, locked down. Um, and surprisingly, Jesus, in our fear and our lockdownness, he shows up. And he, he does what he does here. He holds out his hands and he says, um, grace and peace to you. And he breathes on us, his spirit, and he sends us out. So the big idea today is that um, Jesus is still very much on the loose. And um, he's a new creation agent. He's bringing new creation life. <clears throat> what he started on day one, he continues to do and do and do and do over again. And so this passage, when you enter into it, it's really oozing. It's oozing with light and hope and joy. And everything that you need is right here. And that's not, you know, pastors are prone to exaggeration. I don't know if you notice that. They always say, this is the most important passage. But really, it's right. It's not exaggerating. Everything you need is right here. Uh, so we're going to look at it with under the guys under the headings with three words. First word is the word presence. Jesus comes with his presence. Jesus comes the second, all, all three with P. Presence and the second with his peace. And thirdly, he comes as a partner. He comes in partnership with us. He comes to fearful, locked up, um, walled in disciples and he says, I'm here. I bring my presence, and he brings peace, and he says, let's partner. 
as partner in new creation. So we'll take these one at a time and just walk through verse 1, presence. Verse 19 again. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. I want to think about this. This God who we worship, this God who comes to us, he doesn't like to work remotely. He doesn't. There's a face-to-face is how he works, and he comes. And this word among is just, you know, very, very rich. Jesus comes among his people. The word in, in the first chapter of John says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Among us. And we talk about that a lot at Christmas time, where Jesus coming among us in the manger. God with us, we sing Emmanuel, you know. Rejoice, Emmanuel, God is with us. Uh, but what John is saying, and the whole Bible is saying, God continues to do that. That's his way of working. He doesn't like to work remotely. He comes, and in fact, the whole Bible could be kind of seen in, in, in view of the light that God wants to be more and more and more and more among his people. And he'll do anything to do that. From the beginning, and then you see the ending of, of, of the Bible. Now it's God very much among his people. When you grow as a Christian, you say, oh, how am I going to grow as a Christian? It's always more God with you, right? More close, more among. When a church grows, it's not God remotely speaking to us. It's more us together experiencing God, very real, Jesus on the loose, among us. Um, and Jesus, in order to be more among us, he enters into the things that keep us from that. He enters into suffering. He enters, he takes on our sin. He enters into death for us. He goes into those things so that, his goal is so that he can be more among us and share his life with us. The night before he died, Jesus spoke to his disciples in John 14. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. So the disciples are having separation anxiety when Jesus talks about leaving. He says, don't leave us. They say, don't leave us. Please, don't leave us, Jesus. And he says here, don't worry. Don't worry. I won't. Um, And this evening... He says, I promise to come back. And this evening gathering is kind of the fulfillment on the first level of that promise. Here I am, I'm back. I have come. And every week, here's what I want us to think about. Every week, when we come together, it's kind of like this group. Uh, we have separate separation anxiety from Jesus. And he says, here I am. I have come. I am here. Whether we are aware of it or not, um, the church is a group of people continually shaped by that dynamic of Jesus keeping his promise to come and be among us, to be with us.
and we feel like, everybody I know feels like an orphan, right? I'm a pastor, and so um, a lot of pastoring is just saying, hey, you're not an orphan. We have a, we have a family, we have a father, uh, and we're fearful of all kinds of things. If we handed out a list, pieces of paper, and you wrote down all the things that really you're fearful and anxious about, and then we added that, it'd be this long, long scroll, you know, um, this worry list that we have. And because of fear, fear causes us, like the disciples here, to lock down. We want to, um, we lock things down. We're quick to lock the door. And sometimes we lock the door to keep things out, but sometimes we lock the door because we're afraid of what's in here coming out. We don't want anyone to see it. Fear and then lockdown. Um, if that's how you're feeling this morning, that urge, you know, the, the lockdown urge, however that shows up, I just want you to know that you are in good, good company. You are not alone. But the great news of the gospel is that locked doors are no match for the resurrected Jesus. He doesn't really, he doesn't come to the, to the door and try it. Say, oh, you know, I'm just going to come back, right? Uh, it's locked. No, Jesus in his faithfulness goes through our locks. He shows up with his presence. He says, I am your God and you are my people and nothing can separate you from me. I will never leave you or forsake you. He's the one that says, my love is stronger than death. And here's the thing that we, every week, we can be sure of. Whatever craziness or darkness or chaos is going on in your life, or whatever craziness or darkness or chaos is going on in the world. And there's a lot of it, right? Jesus says, I am here. You are mine. I've called you by name. Nothing can separate us. And one of the ways you can tell that God is at work in your life, and the gospel is kind of you know, percolating in your DNA is that you start to experience this, not just as a theoretical concept, but you experience his presence, and you experience his presence together. You hear him say, I am the living one. I once was dead, but now I'm alive, and here I am with you. So that's the first piece. Jesus is, comes to us and he shows up. It's in real presence. The second one is peace. Jesus came and stood among them, it says, and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So Jesus, when he comes into uh, uh, lockdown rooms, he doesn't come empty-handed. He brings gifts with him. You know, and, and since the last time these disciples saw Jesus, Jesus went on a quest. He went on this quest into suffering and death and the grave, and he eluded them. Okay? 
is this pen comes back with gifts of victory uh, over sin and evil and death, and he's transformed. Uh, he comes out and he says to his disciples, Look, I brought something for you. I'm bringing you gifts. This is for you. And he holds out his hands and he says, Peace be with you. This, this kind of holding your hands out and blessing and peace is a very ancient practice for the people of God. God set that up. Remember in the Old Testament, the priests, God said, I'm going to set aside some people and their job is to bless you. And he hands them this. It's a great thing in, in number six. God says, not just any old blessing, here's the script. Uh, and here's what I want you to say when you do that. And he would say, the priest would say this every time they would have a gathering and then they would leave. The Lord said to Moses, you've heard this, it's usually in a worship service at the end, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, and here's the script, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. So Jesus is taking that concept and through the resurrection he's amplifying it and it's this priestly blessing now for his people, his gathered disciples, is transformed. It's the same thing but amplified in a new way. Jesus shows up to his deeply flawed disciples. And, and I love to think about this. You would think that Jesus might start out with a lecture for them. After all that has happened, um, you know, you guys left me. You shouldn't have left me. And Peter, you know, you said that you would not <clears throat> deny me. And you denied me three times. Remember that whole thing with the with the rooster, Peter, I'm so disappointed. What were you thinking? Um, all that time spent with you, was it just a waste? Three years I spent. I focused on you guys. He doesn't say any of that. He gives this priestly blessing. He holds his hand out. Um, and he says, bless you. Peace be to you. Grace be to you. And then get this. It's not, may the Lord shine his face on you. It's Jesus saying, I am the Lord, and my face is now shining on you in peace. Um, with you and toward you. And then he does the hand motions, too. It's not just speech. It's, you know, show and tell. Uh, and he, and, but what he points to is he points to his... You know, his scars. But you see, when, when Jesus holds out his hands, his scars, and later in John, is his, he tells Thomas, look at my, look at my side. Um, and you would think that the risen Jesus would have those things kind of photoshopped out. <laughs> All the scars and stuff, the plastic surgery or something. Resurrection would have, you know, changed all that. But actually, those are what Jesus points to for a very specific reason. He focuses on those things. Those are the things that bring peace. It's actually the wounds that speak peace. There's different songs in the Old Testament 
different oracles of the prophets that talk about the role of the Messiah, and they would sing these, and they were, what is this one talking about? And particularly, there's one in the book of Isaiah about this victim, about the suffering one, and they were always like, I don't understand how this one applies to the glorious king that's going to come and rescue us. And after his resurrection, after his crucifixion, Jesus points to this passage again and again with his disciples, and they get this. All of a sudden, it comes crashing clear. The conquering king is actually the suffering servant. And so the key to understand Jesus' death and resurrection is actually Isaiah 53, 5, where it says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace. How did, how did he come out giving peace? The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And then by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus comes out and says, Peace, I am the suffering servant. I am the conquering king. Here I am. And then he says to his disciples, uh, and this is the gospel message, he says, Okay, now I've done this. Let's make a deal. Jesus comes out of the, the tomb as a deal, as a new covenant deal maker. And it's a great deal. He says, Listen, let me, let me do this with you. Let's, let's exchange. I have taken your, let me take your transgressions and your iniquities. And then I will give you my peace and my healing. Let me take all your brokenness and I will give you my wholeness. Let me take your emptiness, and I will give you my fullness. That's the blessing, and it's the best deal ever, ever, ever. John Calvin calls it the wondrous exchange, and it's uh, too good to be true. But it is true, so it's actually too good. And the gospel is embracing something that is just wondrous, wondrously too good. How could it be? And Jesus, when he says peace, is is very specific. He's not just saying, oh, I'm here, feel peaceful now. Peace is this covenant reconciliation where all the barriers are gone and he has shalom to you and to you and to you and between you. Um, covenant peace, all these promises in the Old Testament get stored up. They're stored up, they're sort of waiting. They're kind of dammed up, clogged, and then when Jesus comes out of the tomb, it's a giant release. They flow from him. He's full of the Spirit. He's full of the gifts of God. He pours them out on his people. He does that not remotely. He does it personally. All the promises of God, Paul says, are yes and amen in Christ. And all things are yours in Christ. Oh, this is too good to be true. But it says the disciples then, what? When they get this, they are overjoyed. I love that. They're overjoyed when I saw the Lord. There's joy. joyful. But then, Overjoy is like there's too much joy. 
you know, we're overwhelmed. You know, you can be whelmed. And then you can be overwhelmed. And here, it's, you can have some joy, but this is overjoy. There's a different kind of joy. And joy is this uniquely gospel gift. It's not about, their circumstances aren't changed, but the whole thing is reframed. Their whole lives are reframed by the presence and the promises of Jesus. Verse 22 of John 16 says, Therefore, you too have grief now, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one can take away, no one can take your joy away from you. This is something that can't be taken. Penny and I have this little saying with each other. It's, um, you know, don't let it steal your joy. And we'll be going along and all kinds of stuff can, you know, come breaking into life. And Cindy often will, I'm frustrated, you know, about this or that or that person and myself. And she'll say, hey, Paul, honey, don't let it steal your joy. Um, I will bring peace, Jesus said. And because of my peace, you can have this happiness that's way more than happiness. Uh, deep, deep joy. So that's what happens on the first day when we see Jesus, when he meets with us. We gather whatever darkness or brokenness or locked up fear we have, and he brings peace and he brings overjoy to us. Uh, and that comes through our praying, it comes through our interactions, it comes through God's presence meeting with us corporately, individually. He's here and he's we, we point to him. That's what a worship service is, really. It's like, Jesus is here and he's brought all these gifts for you. That's what a pastor says every week. Jesus is here. Look at his gifts. Take them. Okay? They're, for, they're for you. Uh, so there's this movement from being overwhelmed to being overjoyed. But the passage doesn't stop there. Goes on. The third P is partners, partnership. Verse 21. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. He says this twice. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So he, he repeats the blessing. Now, not in their fear, but into their overjoy, he says, peace be with you. And uh, there's a new ending for you and for the world. Right? There's forgiveness. First, peace, healed, forgiven, reconciled. But then, you are filled. It's not, Jesus is not just the only agent of new creation. He breathes and he says, you are now an agent of new creation. Here's the deal. I came not just to bless you, but that you might be a blessing. Isn't that the covenant that comes to Abraham? I'm going to set you apart, Abraham, and you're going to be my people. I'm going to bless you and give you a great name, but then you will be a blessing to others, to the, to the whole world. And those two always go together. There's this the blessing, you know, and then the blessing through us. Uh, they never go one without the other. And God has this two-pronged strategy that we see very clearly here. He sends his son into the world. 
And Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit, and he does this work of rescuing. But then the second sending, we see here, God sends the Spirit into his followers. Right? The Son is equipped with the full measure of the Holy Spirit, and he sends, he gives the Holy Spirit. Pentecost is all about that. He sends the Spirit into his people uh, and sends them into the world. C.S. Lewis, in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, my favorite scene in there, I don't know if you remember this, there's this courtyard full of statues that the, the witch has turned into stone, all these different animals and different um, <clears throat> folks. And Aslan, coming out of resurrection, he comes and he runs around the courtyard and he he's breathes on each of these statues and they become they come back to life and they start laughing and they start dancing and they start like high fiving, you know. And then he calls them into battle with him, you know, to bring about the end of evil and bring him usher in an age of new creation. Uh, so the second piece, we're overwhelmed, we're overjoyed, but then that with the second piece, Jesus said, I want you to overflow. From overwhelmed, to overjoyed, to, to overflow. You have now the Messiah Spirit with you and in you, beyond measure. Um, at the end of a lot of worship services, there's a blessing of go, and go forth to serve the world as those who love our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ um, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And what does that look like? Let's look at the last line here. Jesus says, if you, he breathes on them, and he says, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, as I've thought about that a lot over the years, that seems very cryptic. What does that mean that we go out? Does that mean that we go out and go, hey, you're forgiven. You're not forgiven. I have the power to do that. I don't think that's how it works, and that's not how it shows up in the book of Acts. Uh, it means that you partner with Jesus in bringing forgiveness of sins. You're forgiven, and you bring forgiveness in the same way that Jesus does. And how does Jesus do it? He points to his wounds and he says, here's the deal. Okay? Um, my life for yours. He says, trust me and you are forgiven. Trust in my death and my resurrection and you are forgiven. And we do the same thing. That's what we do. That's how forgiveness of sins goes out. We say, look at Jesus. Trust in him and you are forgiven. Um, on the basis of his death, by faith, in all those theological things, we are now reconciled. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we see the apostles doing. They go up and they announce, Jesus crucified, risen from the dead, full of the Holy Spirit. They say, some, you know, they just announce forgiveness of sins. And some people, by God's grace, repent. Some people see Jesus and believe. Others resist. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we announce the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus comes to his 
people, as he gathers with them, he comes to us and then he says, all right, I'm sending you out. Now is the time. Now is recreation day for you and for the world. Announce that. As you go with my message, then my forgiveness miraculously goes with you. And the church around the world is formed in this way. That's that's who we are. That's what has happened to us. Christ has come to you through others who pronounce who, who announce the forgiveness of sins, and God through His Spirit changes your heart, and, and you're drawn in to this beautiful, beautiful new creation gathering. Now's the time. We become partners in the renewal of all things. So Jesus comes, His presence among us, He gives us His joy, His peace, and He calls us to be partners. Day one. Day one is the most important day ever, and it's not over. It keeps going. We are living now in day one. No matter how, you know, crazy the days or the weeks or what you're worried about, we are living in day one by faith. On day one, Jesus is not far. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is on the loose. Amplified, glorified humanity. The God-man. On day one, through his spirit, he's near. And he's here. He's among. He's in. He's with us. On day one, we still have many, many fears. But listen again to this. We don't remember anything else today. Your fears and your locks are no match for his faithfulness. His faithfulness is stronger than any fear or any locks that you can possibly put on him. And he shows himself. He loves to come and reveal himself to you. And he says, actually, your sin... You might be dead and your brokenness. They're no match. They're no match for my faithfulness. My suffering and my death has completely paid for those. We sang earlier, it is finished. Uh, through his death and resurrection, there now is a river of peace and joy overflowing for you. There's actually there's too much peace and joy just for you. And there's <clears throat> so much. I have a, Jesus, I have an overflow of peace and joy, and I'm going to flow it into you, and then you're going to flow it out. I'm going to breathe into you my peace and joy, and then you will be contagious. You'll become a carrier of new creation. And so together, in this place, in this time, God has called us to be agents of new creation bringing salvation, bringing release, bringing forgiveness and hope and joy and certain certainty into a broken world. And I just want to encourage you as you continue as a church, to continue week by week, day by day. Um, you know, God is faithful and he is with you. And today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Okay? Today, if you hear his voice, soften your heart. 
And then give yourself completely to this one who has given himself completely for you. Would you please pray with me? Lord, uh, we are full of fears. And uh, we admit that we, over and over again, have all kinds of locks that keep you out, keep others out, we think. Uh, We become often overwhelmed most of the time. Pray that you would give us eyes to see you today. Give us ears to hear your voice proclaiming peace. Help us to breathe in your spirit. Give us your joy. Breathe on us and send us out as forgiven forgivers in your name. It's in that name we pray. Amen.